Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Smooth Made in China podcast. This is your disco jockey slash co-host slash co-pilot, Rico. I'm joking. Um, what's up, guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast. I'm going to keep this intro very brief because there's technically another intro after this. This is a video cast. It wasn't supposed to be a video cast. It was just supposed to be a YouTube video. And then we went long, so I decided to make it into a podcast as well. I sat down with Carl Nickel. Uh, one of my best friends from China. He's been on the podcast before. I think it was Inside Rico's Private Mastermind. And in this video cast, check out the video because there's going to be some visual components to it. In this video cast, uh, we basically the running theme was basically finding your business passion in China. You know, Carl's had a crazy, uh, you know, he had a crazy up. Uh, couple years in China figuring out what he wanted to do and figuring out what he was passionate about, what he's not passionate about. Um, for me, similarly, my first year in China, I was trying to figure that out. And then I, I kind of figured out what works for me. Uh, but Carl just has had maybe three or four different business opportunities that have gone up and up and down. And, you know, he's just a very fascinating fascinating experiences that he's had in Southeast Asia, not just in China, but like in Taiwan, Cambodia, um, Bangladesh. Like, so definitely an amazing, amazing video. Uh, so check it out and enjoy the podcast. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Hey, what's up, YouTube? It's Rico, CEO of SourceFind Asia, co-host of the Main in China podcast, host of the SourceFind Asia YouTube channel. I'm hanging out with one of my best friends from China, Carlito, Carl Nickel. You want to give yourself a little intro there? What's up, Suave? <laughs> <laughs> so some inside jokes. Um, so in this video, we're going to be, I'm going to have a quick conversation with Carl. It's been uh, probably over a year since I saw you. been two years since you left Guangzhou. And we're going to be talking about why he came to China in the first place, um, his journey in China, and then how he ended up leaving China and back in the States and what he's doing, um, what he's building at the moment. So let's get started. Um, so let's start at the beginning, man. So like, oh, yeah, let's start with how we met, actually. Let's start with how we met. Yeah, sure. Enter China. How did you find Enter China? Uh, well, okay, so I'll start at the beginning. Do you want me to just I'll tell my story of how I got to... China, does that work? Sure. Yeah. So um, actually, I was visiting our other friend, Harrison, who I think has been on the show mm -hmm. in New York. Harrison is like the most interviewed person that I have on my, like he's been on the <laughs> podcast a bunch of times. He's been on the YouTube channel a bunch of times. He's the poster like, child. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Harrison? So um, yeah, I was living in Houston working for an oil and gas company. And I went out to New York to visit some friends and um, had an interview out there. And I hit up Harrison. I hadn't seen him. So we go way back. We were in college together, but I hadn't seen him in like five years mm -hmm. and uh, just randomly hit him up, said, Hey, I'm in New York. Let's go grab a beer. And uh, uh, we went out together and he told me, Hey, I found this, this blog of these guys that moved to China and started business. So Harrison was the one who found Enter China first. Uh, no, what happened was we both found it. Yeah. Well, just let me tell the story, oh, okay. man. Come on, you're cutting in. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So uh, yeah, we're out, we're out and about, and he's like, "Yo, I found this blog. These guys moved to China. They're like 25 years old. They're killing it. They started all these companies. Blah blah blah." And I said, "Oh, is the name of the blog Enter China?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, I know that. I just found it." So um, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm uh, I'm thinking about moving out there." And then like three months later, I got on a plane. Yeah. And then, but you went to like India first and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like, I, I had a bucket list, all these things I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to go hike up to the base camp of Mount Everest and, and ride a motorcycle in India and whatnot. So I spent like six months doing that. The plan was um, I would do that. And when I ran out of money, I would go to China and teach English and <laughs> go meet these guys called Inner China and, and figure out what's up. And like... I mean, that you had to pay for the membership and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You paid. I'm, I feel like I remember you telling me like you paid for the membership like the day before you came. Or yeah, like that. well, and yeah, it was kind of crazy. Because, yeah, yeah, because I was I was running out of money. Um, I had like a few weeks left of being in India, and I think I was down to like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, and I had like you got to realize you've got. I think it was like four hundred dollars for a. I think it's five hundred for the China the visa. Oh, okay. For the China visa, okay, yeah, yeah. and then it's five hundred dollars to join EC. Yeah. And then you want a little bit of wiggle room <laughs> when you're showing up to China, and then you got to spend a week in Hong Kong, yeah, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world. So I was trying to figure out, like, okay, what should I put my money towards? Should I just like be able to survive for another week or two, or should I buy the membership and hopefully get some help? And then I met you the day. I this was your first day. First day, yeah. I got in the night before, and then you guys all took me out to breakfast. It was uh, yeah, you, I think you, you, China, Mike, and someone, one other guy. There was another person, wasn't it? Keenan. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember what happened was you posted in the group that you were coming to China, and then I reached out to you, and I think Mike also reached out to you at the same time. Yep. And then Mike said, let's go, let's take him to, like, Sultan or whatever for, for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, then we took you to, we took you to the Turkish spot. Yeah. At the time, I was working out Which of my became office. became one of my favorite spots. Yeah. At the time, I was working out of my apartment, actually. So I remember, I remember walking over there. like uh, Yeah, that was before you had the office. Yeah. It's fucking, it's been over, yeah, it's fucking been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, then what happened? Like, we, we started a mastermind. Uh, you know, you introduced me to Harrison, Gary. I, mm-hmm. Did I introduce you to Gary or did you? No, you, you knew Gary before that. Yeah, I met Gary at, like, some EC stuff. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really hang out that much. Like I knew you was in Guangzhou, but we didn't we didn't really hang out. And I think what happened was when you came, um, you kind of put the glue between us. I think there must have been like an EC event where you met Gary, and then how did you meet Gary? Was it? I met Gary at the round table event we had. Yeah, so Remember that was that, that was the that was the first time I met Maurice and all the Inner China guys. Okay, so that, yeah, yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. the thing. You met Gary, and then like I already knew you, and then we started hanging out the three of us. Yep, and then we and then decided Harrison to, showed up like three months later. Yeah, yeah, and we decided to to create a mastermind group, you know, and we started doing the Knox weekly meetings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So talk talk about your first couple business ideas in, in China. I think you found. <laughs> I, was, I think yeah, you found it was one. Crazy uh, man! I found the. Uh, you should my, send, Did you take a picture of it? Uh, I did. You yeah, should, you should it send it to me so I can I can yeah, 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 post yeah, it up here on the video. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd been in China for four or five months, just kind of getting my feet wet and planted. And I came up with the idea of an uh, American culture training program for Chinese university students mm-hmm. that planned to go to school in the US. Um, so while I was here, I kept getting asked by people like, you know, and I was, I was studying Chinese at the time. 
So I was also, you know, getting the reverse effect where I was, you know, curious about Chinese culture and whatnot. And I had Chinese people constantly asking me, well, you know, what's it like to, to date a white girl? <laughs> you know, like, what's it, what's it mean when you say hot versus sexy? <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, so, I mean, just, just some background, like a lot of these kids are like going to go study abroad. Right? right. And they're just not like culturally, they're just not prepared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it was a good, it was a good concept. Yeah. They're asking questions like, how do you order food? Yeah. When you go out to a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So then well, initially it was you and Gary. I remember like you guys were like going to university campuses. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. So we decided, to to, yeah, yeah, we decided to start it together. <laughs> so we, we printed up flyers and we were out on the streets, handing it out to Chinese people. And then the, we had a funnel system where, um, once they, they got the flyer, then it prompted them to scan a QR code, which pulled them into a WeChat group. Yep. And then once they were there, uh, we gave daily lessons. And then from there, we funneled them into people that would buy an in-person course and then also the online course. Yeah. Then I think Gary decided not to continue with that and you started to push forward. What? Yeah, we worked on it together for two or three months. And then I decided to push forward on my own and then did it for another, I want to say three or four months. It was like six or seven months in total. Yeah. And I even introduced you to the, the school that I was teaching English at at the time. And you went and did like a demo. Uh, I did a few demos. Yeah. 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 It was for like, I think almost two months. Um, I was doing demo courses on Wednesday nights and there'd be like, 10 or 15 mostly Chinese women that would show Organic. up. That, yeah, that was my, uh, that was my <laughs> life for like, Nine months, I was just yeah. like, teaching a bunch of rich housewives. Like, <laughs> yeah, just it was tough. It was it was quite difficult. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, what, what, so, what did you try next? So then, uh, after that, um, I got interested in using Facebook to drive traffic. Um, to a website. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the time, Facebook was becoming, it was kind of the up and coming number one marketing tool. Um, and I was interested in building a brand and, and um, figuring out how to do that. And uh, so I started another, another little business called, uh, <laughs> I'm still going to laugh when I say it, Love Your Wiener, <laughs> which was, <laughs> there's a backstory. So it's a, a jewelry site for, um, for dachshunds, for, for people that own dachshunds. Um, and basically, you know, when we're digging into, dig into Facebook and how it works and, and how to drive traffic, we figured out that uh, there's certain groups within Facebook that are more active and more likely to buy something. And we figured out that it just so happens that pet groups have a lot of activity. And then within that, you want to niche it down. So you want to find a very narrow group of people to sell to. And it just so happened that people that own dachshunds were extremely active on Facebook. So that's how I picked, that's how I picked it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, and I got to make it a little cheeky too. So that's yeah, where the love your wiener love came your wiener. from. I mean, those are around the same time, like Harrison already started a drop shipping store around mm -hmm. that time as well. Yeah. And I think, I think now people are way more savvy towards drop shipping. Like they kind of, yeah. But at the time, but that, was, that was, was, was a little bit. Yeah, that was before it was really a big thing. It was yeah. kind of, there was very few people that knew what that was or understood it. 
Yeah. And then what happened next? Um, so kind of a similar thing, man. I spent like six months on it. Um, and uh, I mean, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned at the time was like, you've really got to do something that you, you want to be doing mm-hmm. because business doesn't, I mean, you don't build a business overnight, right? It's something you take years and years and years to build. Um, I think know. it's, I think it's either two things. It's either you're passionate about the business processes or you are passionate about, or at least you enjoy the, the product that you're, you're selling or the yeah. service that you're providing. And I, I think you've got to enjoy your customers too. Yeah. I think that's a big thing because you're interacting with them so much. Yeah. So for, but for me, like I always say, it's like I'm passionate about business process. So it's like I could sell whatever, man. I could be selling. I used to sell women's clothing and I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, for a couple of different reasons. But, uh, <laughs> I'll show you the similar reasons to the, why you enjoy your, uh, your, <laughs> your English training. Listen, I'm just passionate about educating people. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's just like I'm, I'm, really, I'm really interested in business process. So I can sell anything and I, I wouldn't get bored of it. Mm. Um, but I, I do know like other people, like some of my, one of my buddies know him who is like, he enjoys the process, but not as much as I do. So like mm-hmm. the business that he had, he got burnt out after like a year, year and a half mm-hmm. and decided to just shut it down because he was like, I just don't see myself doing this for five years or mm-hmm. 10 years, you know? Yeah. That was exactly the point I got to. Yeah. It was like six months in, I'd lost a bunch of money. I wasn't having that much fun with it. And I also knew I had very strong passions in other things. And Specifically? Like, uh, so I had, I mean, from the time I was like 20, I wanted to somehow get into green energy. That's why I got into oil and gas. You see how I did that? The transition. Yeah, you did that nicely. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> You've done this before, huh? Yeah, yeah. Quite a few times. <laughs> Which actually brings me to one thing. I remember the mastermind. I remember, the, yeah, the mastermind that we did where you were in the hot seat. And I think it was sort of towards the end of the drop shipping stuff and you were like I don't I don't know what I want to do or whatever so then we kind of just broke down you know what are you passionate about and how would you what next steps would you take if you're trying to get into that and then we started weighing up the options of you looking for a company that's already doing it and like mm-hmm. a startup yeah you know and then you started making moves towards that yeah man I remember me you and Luke who's I think has also been on here before uh, had a really candid conversation about that because I was, I, I was. Oh yeah, we so yeah, we did. We had. We was down at Sultan actually, I think. Uh, maybe not Sultan. Maybe the, but I it wasn't. Yeah, sure it was down at a hookah lounge. Or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I remember we had a conversation with with Luke, and then also we did like the mastermind with with Harrison and stuff. But yeah, Luke Francis. I yeah. I've been into when there's a couple of videos in Enter China with me and Luke, on the Enter China YouTube channel. Mm. So yeah, um, and then you started making moves towards finding a startup and. Yeah, I, I wanted to get, I mean, I kind of had it broken out in between um, energy, water, food, and waste. And I was interested in doing something in one of those four categories um, and thought the first step would be just to work for someone that's in the space. Um, so I started just going to networking groups in Shenzhen, Hong Kong, um, even flew over to Taiwan briefly and was just trying to find people in the space. Uh, and that's when I found this company called Thread International. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Thread does is takes uh, plastic and turns it into fabric. Um, and at the time, they needed someone to source plastic recycling companies for them in Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, so I found them, got con- contacted to one of their uh, persons that's based in Hong Kong. Uh, next thing I know, I was working for them. Um, and I think at the time, they only had one person in Hong Kong, right? They had one person in Hong yeah. Kong, yeah. yeah. 
And then they hired me on um, kind of part-time uh, to source plastic recycling companies for them in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I remember that time you were like half of the time in Guangzhou, half of the time in Hong Kong and, you know. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Because, yeah, well, so I was planning on moving to Shenzhen or Hong Kong and then I got this gig and then I was kind of, it didn't make sense to move. So I was kind of in between from like March to June. I was crashing on couches and <laughs> bouncing around Southeast Asia. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you, I, yeah, you were on like a provisional thing with them for like two or three months and then they hired you afterwards? Uh, well, it always stayed on a contract basis. I wound yeah. up working for them for almost a year uh, from like May to end of February the next year. But it was also the perfect situation because you got to play around in that sandbox and, and learn about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the second day that I was officially working for them. They said, hey, can you go to Bangladesh? Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, I can go to Bangladesh. <laughs> so then next thing I know, I spent like six weeks in um, Bangladesh, Vietnam, and Cambodia sourcing, uh, sourcing plastic recycling companies. Um, and it was during that time that I figured out, oh, wow, you know, like waste is a big problem in Asia and globally, uh, and there's not enough infrastructure to process it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I got my next business idea of providing the technology to, to process waste. Okay. And... What, how did you go about starting that? Um, it was really one thing led to another. So at this stage, uh, it, you're living in Hong Kong, right? Obviously. In this, so at this stage, at this stage, I had just moved to Hong Kong. So I'll, I'll back up. So I spent six weeks traveling around Southeast Asia and then decided, okay, if I'm going to go with this full on, I think I need to move to Hong Kong um, just because there's a different network of people that are based in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, and if I thought that if I wanted to be able to access Southeast Asia, uh, China, and, and maybe Taiwan, that Hong Kong was kind of a central place to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I moved to Hong Kong and then uh, started figuring out like, okay, how can I get into this space? Um, and through the people that I had met at Thread, uh, you know, I was in contact with a lot of folks. This, this Bangladeshi company was this group of American guys or Bangladeshi guys that had moved to Silicon Valley. You know, had their careers in Silicon Valley and then had moved back to Bangladesh to start a business. And they asked me to uh, run a new facility that they wanted to build in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. <laughs> so the next thing I knew, I was, I was flying out to Phnom Penh to meet the CEO of this company. And we spent a week just surveying the landscape and, and figuring out if that was a place that we wanted to build a factory. And uh, during that week, I figured out, okay, I have zero desire to spend the next five years live, basically living at this factory. <laughs> it would have been a fucking hell of an experience. That, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, during that time, I figured out, okay, I don't want to run the facility, but I'd be interested in selling it. Yeah. And that's when I figured out this other business model where you could be an agent for a technology company and basically uh, package the project together, you know, figure out where you're going to build this thing and then sell the technology itself. Okay. Yeah. And you got a team together, you, you got investors, like, you know, so can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, um, that was in like August of 2017, I want to say. Yeah, August of 2017. Roughly, yeah. Where I started figuring out this business model. And then the next step was finding a technology that I could sell. Um, so then I spent like three months just researching different technologies in the space and figuring out, 
you know, like how to be competitive in the, in the space. Uh, and that's when I found this company called Waste Away, uh, which is a company based in the U.S. And what they do is they convert municipal solid waste and they turn it into fuel. And that fuel is, is used as a coal substitute in power plants. Um, and so I, I contacted them and said, hey, I'm based in Asia. You know, this is what I'm doing. I'm starting a company around this uh, and I want to sell your technology. Um, and then it was like a, from there, it was like a five month dating process of learning about their company and then also, you know, testing it in the market and seeing, you know, do, is this something that people want to buy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I spent like five months doing that. And then I flew out to, to Nashville where these guys are based, uh, in December of 2017, uh, and pitched them on me selling their technology. Uh, and then about that time things were progressing. So I also was putting a team together. Um, so I found a guy that, that had a legal background. I knew I need to be drawn up contracts and, and this sort of things. Uh, so there was two of us at the time. And then while I was in the U S, uh, I just got lucky. A, a friend of a friend of a friend happened to know the advisor to the president of Taiwan. Mm. And I got a call from the advisor to the president of Taiwan. <laughs> and was they, it just because, was it, so in, I guess in a practical sense, was it just because you were talking about what you were doing and then your well, friend yeah, so put I two had and spent, two together? I had spent the previous six months traveling back and forth to Taiwan. Yeah. So I had met some people in the space and they were aware that I was working on selling this new waste technology. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how they got a hold of me. So it's, it's, it's not really luck in the sense that it's like, you know. It, it was... I had laid groundwork, yeah. but then it was kind of lucky that it happened to fall into this person's hands. Mm -hmm. So this guy was personally tasked by the president of Taiwan with, quote, solving Taiwan's waste problem. Uh, and so he was looking for new technologies and new companies that could process their waste. Mm -hmm. um, they were like on a, on a national scale, converting their infrastructure from incinerators to a new way of processing their waste. And the technology that I was selling was was attractive to them for that reason. Yeah. So they reached out, uh, and I mean, I remember I was in San Francisco at the time, uh, just visiting friends and and whatnot and family. <laughs> and they said it was like a Tuesday. Yeah. And they said, "Can you be in Taiwan to meet the president on Thursday?" <laughs> 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 and so I said, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> So next thing, it was like the next day I bought a plane ticket yeah. and was on a plane. Yeah, Nice. And then you met the president. I did not actually. Um, so uh, I flew out, I think I was out there by like a Friday and I was, they flew me out Friday to be at this big convention on Saturday Okay. where they were, it was basically like, if you can picture, you know, all the congressmen in the U S all meeting for this event, mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like that. And I was kind of like this guest of honor. <laughs> <laughs> and so next thing I know, I'm, I'm shaking hands with, uh, you know, like mayors and, and congressmen and, and this and that. And, uh, you know, like the head of the EPA and, you know, like all these very prominent government officials. Uh, I was the only white guy there. And it was me and, and the Taiwanese guy that I was working with at the time. And um, that's, I mean, that's kind of how I got started. Nice. Yeah. And then what happens? What happened after that? 
So while I was there, that's when I learned that Taiwan was going through this countrywide transition. They were looking for technology companies uh, and they were interested in our technology. Um, so during that time, next thing I know is I was introduced to, to very you know, high-ranking high government officials uh, and basically told, hey, you know, we're interested in your technology and, and this is what we're looking for. Um, and then from then, it was, you know, I spent the next six months doing that and figuring out, okay, like, how do I actually put this project together and how do I actually sell this technology? Okay. And right now, you're, you're back in the U.S., mm -hmm. so how did you, I guess, why did you leave Asia and what are you, you know, what, yeah, are, you, what so, are you doing at the moment? So, um, you know, at the time, I was trying to, I mean, I, I had never done any of this, right? So I was trying to figure out what my business model was going to be. How do you actually sell these things? How do these projects work? Uh, and what I found is that you, these projects typically take between like two and five years to put together. Mm -hmm. So I was a, I was a bootstrapping entrepreneur. Um, I was covering all my expenses myself and, and, you know, I had, was doing marketing on the side to pay for, pay for everything, you know, flights back and forth to Taiwan and, you know, whining and dining people and all these kinds of things. Um, and, uh, at this point had put together a group of us. We had, um, four, five partners that were a part of NetGreen Solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were putting, we were trying to raise money. Um, and our actually technology provider was going to come in with money just to get us through the end of the year so that we could continue the project. Um, and then about, well, as we brought in money, uh, things kind of fell apart. Um, basically, I had hired in guys that were, were, much older than me and they wanted to be able to make, have us all make decisions equally uh, as opposed to me leading the team. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't comfortable with that just because I had put in the, the time and the sacrifice to be there. Um, and, you know, I felt like it was, it was my company. So um, when that happened, we kind of disbanded and then the, our investor subsequently pulled out mm -hmm. because it was like, okay, well, you can't start a company without a team, right? So um, that all happened within the span of like two months. And paralleling that, I was running out of cash. Um, I had I made the decision to go full time on this thing because I just I couldn't keep up with all the workload. Uh, and it it was just like okay, I can either go full time and just go for it, and I've got like a three four month runway before I run out of money, uh, or I can keep this thing part time and probably not do the project. So that's what I did. Uh, and then in June of 2018 was right when I ran out of money um, and happened to be going home for a, a wedding. And uh, so I went home for the wedding. And then once I was home, I just decided to stay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then you started working with your, your dad's company. Yeah, 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 yeah. The timing was, it was crazy how these things work, man. Um, right as I moved home, my dad bought out his partner. Um, so we my family's owned a, a packaging business for the last 10 years. It's industrial packaging. So we manufacture and distribute industrial packaging supplies. Uh, and he bought out his partner right as I was coming home and then just had a lot on his plate and needed help. So in uh, November of 2018, I started working with him. Uh, and things were going pretty good. And um, we are having fun together and uh, just decided to stay on board. So the plan right now is I'll, I'll stay on board for the next six to 12 months um, and help them implement 
processes and organizational structure to help them scale. Uh, and then, and, and kind of help with stabilizing the business. And, uh, and then probably, and then my plan is paralleling that I'm still working in the, the waste space. So hopefully, you know, by the time I'm done working with my dad, I'll be able to move on and go do that. So do you see yourself um, coming back to Asia? Undecided. Um, the plan right now is to move out to LA. Um, but, uh, I mean, the fact is within the waste space, most of the infrastructure problems are in, are outside of the U S yeah. I mean, the U S needs infrastructure. We actually, we ship most of our waste to China to be processed right now. So it's, I mean, it's a global issue. Um, but it's like most apparent in Asia. So, um, yeah, I could, I mean, I could see myself coming back for work purposes, I don't. I don't know if I'll live here. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm pretty open to opportunity right now. Okay. Cool. Well, how would you? I guess if closing out the the, the video, like, how would you summarize like your time in in Southeast Asia? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's the training grounds. Yeah. Right. You know. I mean, uh, this morning I was looking through all my old stuff and whatnot, and used, like looking through notebooks of you know just scribbles and of business plans and, you know, trying to figure shit out. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's, it's been pretty cool working with my dad because it's been kind of a mirror, you know, you're saying, okay, like I've actually learned a lot in the past few years. Yeah. And it was because we spent, you know, it was like three years of doing absolutely nothing, but trying to get things off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said something last night when we were hanging out, um, about, ambition like so the people that you're you're meeting in the states versus like the people that you know here yeah yeah doing it oh yeah man uh just being in china when you're 23 24 years old and trying to survive and start a business in a country you don't know you know the language you don't speak uh it just makes you hungry you know i mean uh god we were i mean we didn't have weekends you know it's like yeah seven days a week 14 hour days, seven days a week for like three weeks straight before we'd take a break. Yeah. And that was just, that was just normal. Um, so going back to the U S it's like, I don't know, you just, uh, people don't have that same sense of like hunger or drive at least. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, like you go to New York, you go to San Francisco, it's, but it's different, you know, it's just more, it's gritty being here. And, and, uh, so it's just different. Well, here it's just, um, it's not just like, obviously there's people like that in startup culture in the U.S. that are, you know, working seven days a week in Canada and whatever. There's the Gary V, you know, followers, which I, which I am one of them. But like here it's normal, not just for startups. Like it's just generally, it's this normal. This is a life, it's man. Life. It's like, like the convenience store. I think it's still, what, a six-hour workday is still, six, still, six still normal? The, yeah. the convenience store, the laundromat, whatever, like you see the same person there six, six seven days in a row working mm -hmm. and it's just like they don't they don't take breaks. Like it's yep. just, it's just what it is. You take yeah. a Chinese New Year or whatever public holidays there are, but like, you know, six, seven days a week they're grinding. Like, yep. you know, and then that just becomes... It becomes ingrained in you. Like, I remember when I first came here and I was teaching English, I was used to that thing of like, oh, I have the weekends. I'd go out with my friends on the weekends in Toronto. But then, like, that changed for me here because I used to work. I used to teach English on the weekends. Yeah. And then it just became a thing where I was like, you know, I, I don't even look at weekends the same. It's just, it's just another, <laughs> yeah. it's another day. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, I think uh, 
Mark Cuban's got a book. He was talking about how the edge is taking time off so that you can get back to work. Yeah. You know, and that's what it was. It was like, I don't go to the gym to go to the gym. I go to the gym so that I can clear my head so I can go hustle. Yeah. That's the difference. It's like, I go play basketball so that I can pull my head out for an hour and chill out, get that mental release and then go back to work. Back to work. Yeah. That's exactly that. That was me yesterday. Actually. I was like, sitting in the office and I got frustrated at something that was going on and I was like, you know, let me just go work out and I worked out for an hour and went to sauna, came back and I was like, all right, let's get back into it, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's the same thing. And you take a vacation, you travel when you go on vacation so you can be recharged to get back to get Yeah, back to for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's like this weekend next for me is vacation, but it's like I'm very intentionally staying away from work yeah. so that I can clear out my mind and go back to work. All right, man. Um, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. All right. Carl Nickel. Yeah. We'll link it um, up in the description. Yeah, and, sure. And then also you probably have a, a little thing somewhere here that has the Instagram. <laughs> Carl's Instagram. Right, right here. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around here. Right here. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, man. Thanks for being on the on the show. This has turned out to actually be a podcast. It's, it's going to be yeah, a video cast. That's yeah, all we did. Yeah. 30 minutes. That's totally yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a farewell.